We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Kicks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Hosted by Alex Blevin and Andrew Freeman on Overtime Media. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and I'm happy to be joined by Bear Report writer Yusei Koshal. Yusei, how are we doing tonight? Doing well, man. How are you? Doing pretty good. About about as good as I can be rooting for this Bears team right now, given where everything is at with this team and uh, the direction this franchise is going right now. Uh, so just to kind of get us into the episode here, uh, we're recording on Wednesday, December 9th following that just brutal utter collapse from the bears this past Sunday against the lions uh, for their sixth straight loss. Uh, it's just a complete collapse by this team after starting five and one, they're five and seven on the season now and just not looking good. If you're still one of those that believes this team can make the playoffs. And <clears throat> I'm just going to say it. Uh, I'm, I'm officially done with this current regime from the front office to the coaching staff you know, even, even you can even go up to Ted Phillips, even at the, at the super executive level up there for this team. It, it's time. It's time for this Bears team to start over and start some form of another rebuild here. I, I kind of alluded to this in another article I wrote earlier in the week, kind of saying the same thing. Um, but, you know, anyone who's been following my work knows that, you know, I, I, I've been a fan of Matt Nagy as a head coach here with the bears uh, love what he did in 2018 to get this team back to relevance again. And I've defended Ryan pace in the past for some of his decisions over the years as GM of the bears, but it, it's just, it's looking brutal right now. You know, I was willing to give Nagy a chance, but a loss like we just saw against the Lions, where they had a 10 point lead with four minutes left in the game and, and somehow blew it. Uh, that shuts down. That just shuts the door for me on any possibility of him returning as head coach for me next year. Uh, and when you look at this team, big picture, they're old. They lack cap space next season. They don't have anything resembling a franchise quarterback. And the defense, it's, it's regressing really bad right now. They do not look anywhere near uh, the top-tier defense that we expected them to be this season, uh, especially over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, it, it's to me, it's just time. It's time for changes at Hell's Hall. We'll see, you know, they have four more games left this season. I doubt they'll make any changes during the season, but uh, those are kind of my thoughts on this entire thing. What are you thinking right now with this regime as it stands? I mean, you mentioned it. The end is 
basically here at this point because the thing is it's like they have zero direction right like look after the 2018 season you were like okay this is the direction that this team is going in then came the 2019 season nothing happened then came the 2020 off season where instead of trying to get younger at certain positions they got older like they passed on you know they cut leonard floyd and his 13.2 million dollar cap it to pay, I think, what is it like 14 million or 15 million to 30 year old Robert Quinn? They prioritized Nick Kwiatkowski, who was an up and coming player that the coaches actually admitted in press conferences that, yeah, he's earned the right to start somewhere in this league. That's after he signed with the Las Vegas Raiders, right? They prioritized Kwiatkowski. I'm sorry, Trevathan over Kwiatkowski. So you look at it, right? This has not just been like this, is, these issues didn't start in September. They started as soon as the 2019 season ended. Um, it's, it's just a freaking mess, dude, because it's like I said, they have no vision, you know, they're not young enough and they don't have enough draft capital or cap space to the point where you can be like, okay, you can start rebuilding in 2021 and then hopefully be relevant by 2022, 2023. But then what happens is, so they're not young enough to go ahead and just rebuild. They're not in a position to go and rebuild, but then they're also strapped into, you know, what essentially is an aging defense. Because I think it was over the cap who said something like, I think the Bears have 60% of their cap space right now tied up into the defense. And it needs to be the other way around with the way the modern NFL is. You have to have like 60% of your money invested into the offense with a lot of that money going towards the quarterback. And then the rest of it invested in the defense. The Bears have done the exact opposite. And, you know, regarding Pace and Aggie, look, I like some of the moves Pace has made. When it comes to drafting Trubisky over Watson and Mahomes, here's the deal. Look, you need a franchise QB in this league. You only get so many chances to draft one every couple of years, right? The teams that hit on it, they are out of that, you know, needing to draft a quarterback for whatever, 15 to 20 seasons at most, right? The teams that don't hit on it, well, they're just going to have to keep drafting one until they find one. I think that when we look at it, like Pace's old thinking was, look, let me go ahead and draft the quarterback now whoever it was going to be assuming that they let's just assume they hit on Trubisky. Then you're getting to this off season, you're paying Trubisky, but then you're also like using that money, right. To filter and so or address some of the other needs that hasn't happened. Cause when you don't hit on a QB, it uh, sets you back four to five years. And then regarding the defense, listen, I, the defense is the big reason the bears were five and one anyway, cause you and I were on this podcast in early September, October, parts of November to talking about how it's the defense. They're the reason that, Bears are five and one. All right. I don't blame the defense for giving up 41 against Green Bay. I don't blame them for giving up 34 against Detroit because they were going to reach a breaking point eventually. All right? I think if you're going to blame anyone, you have to blame Mitch Trubisky because you're a fourth year quarterback that's a second overall pick and you have zero situational awareness. You should know on that third and four where he had the strip sack, right? He needs to step up. All right. He needs to do one of three things it's either step up and throw the ball to one of his playmakers, tuck it and run, or just take the sack. But he didn't do any of those three things. He did the worst possible thing, which was go ahead and fumble. So Mitch's situational awareness is what cost the Bears this game. That's just what it comes down to. And, we're, you know, we have a couple weeks left. Listen, the Bears don't fire people in season. They did not do it with Trustman. They didn't do it with John Fox. They fired Lovey Smith after a 10-win season. All right. You look, go back and look at it historically. They've never fired anyone in season. All right. Trustman was worse than Nagy's ever been, by the way, which is saying something considering how bad the Bears are right now. Pace and Nagy are going to be here until January 3rd. Yep. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation right now. And, you know, like you said, it'll go, it all stems back to that 2017 draft where, you know, Ryan Pace took Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. You know, it's going to be one of those things in, uh, Chicago sports history that's looked at as kind of like the boogeyman, you know, Mahomes and Watson, you know, two board, well, with Watson, he's a borderline elite quarterback in my opinion, but Mahomes, you're looking at the best quarterback in the game. You had the chance to draft both one or the, one of those two guys and instead you get Mitch Trubisky and that's just going to haunt this franchise for years, if not decades to come, if, unless they can dig themselves out of this situation with another or a new regime, I should say. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just – it's not looking good. It's not looking good. This team, we've said it a bunch already on this podcast. You know, they're strapped for cash. They don't have a lot of young players to build around here. I mean, you can name a couple names here and there, but how many of them are really star, impactful players that you can truly build your franchise around? There's not many of them on this team. And it really – it comes down to the quarterback position. They have to figure that out, and we'll see if they can do that soon. But – 
you know, I think that's a good way to transition to the topic of this episode where we're going to be focusing a lot on assuming that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they're, they're the era here, that regime, it's over here, assuming that's the case. Uh, we're going to be looking ahead to who the Bears could potentially target this offseason to replace those guys and hopefully get a new voice in here for this Bears organization, see if they can turn this thing around. And um, this isn't something that I think either of us uh, wanted to be talking about at this point because we're, you know, we're both Bears fans here. We want to see this team succeed and, and win games. And, you know, I would have loved nothing more than to see Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy be the two, two uh, you know, pillars of this franchise to lead them into the next era of football here for Chicago. But it's not working. The magic's gone. And uh, I think uh, that that's a good way to kind of transition to where this team needs mm-hmm. to be going. Right. And, you know, one quick point I want to make is just that if you look at the Buffalo Bills, for example, I mean, they drafted Josh Allen in 2018 and we'll get into his offensive coordinator in a bit here, but I want to bring the Bills up as a team that did what they needed to do to build around the quarterback, because the bears are going to have to make some of these sacrifices. What did the bills do during this 2020 off season? They let Shaq Lawson, who was a big part of their defense in 2019 and Jordan Poyer, I think it is the safety, right? Or one of their big name defensive backs. They let both of those guys walk at the expense of investing into the quarterback and they turn that into a a running back and then as well as a wide receiver. So the Bears right now, it's a team that the Bills were loaded on defense too, by the way, right? Because they were like a top five unit the last couple of years under Sean McDermott. But the Bears are going to have to do something similar in 2021, the offseason. Whoever's running the show is they're going to have to consider moving on from a guy like an Akeem Hicks, a guy like a Kyle Fuller, right? Guys that have been cornerstones of the defense for the last four to five years now, because they will need to have, they will need to invest in certain positions at the offensive or on the offensive side of the ball. Absolutely. that That's the name of the game right now in the NFL. It's got to emphasize offense over defense. I think Fuller and Hicks are the two names that definitely we have to be watching this off season they're probably the two most likely to be moved, I think, on that defense right now with a bunch of veterans that have huge contracts that the Bears have to deal with. So, again, we have a lot to get to in this episode, a lot to talk about. So we're going to take our first break of the show, the word from our sponsor, and then we're going to start getting into the GM candidates that we think could be um, good replacements for Ryan Pace, assuming uh, he will be let go at the end of the season. But until then... Uh, We're going to take a step away real quick. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And we're back here at Picks for Pace, starting off with a discussion about potential GM candidates that could be replacing Ryan Pace should they go that direction this offseason, the Bears, that is. Um, I'll just preview this section by kind of going over what I'm looking for in the next GM and kind of the things that I want to be emphasized going forward for this franchise should they make that change that Uh, could be huge for this team going forward. So some of the things that needs to be emphasized, first of all, in terms of the background that I'm looking for in a potential new GM for the bears, I want someone who who has played an integral role in multiple successful organizations, looking at teams that have sustained success over a long period of time, guys that are either in charge of their pro personnel, the scouting departments, assistant GMs, any of that type of stuff guys who have had huge influence on the direction that those franchises had taken during their tenures with those teams. And then when you look at just the things that I'm looking for from a, you know, ideas standpoint, from a strategy standpoint, heavy emphasis on cap flexibility and building draft pick capital. We've seen this in the Ryan Pace tenure that, you know, although he started off pretty well with fixing the cap situation for the Bears, because people got to remember that, when Ryan Pace took over as the Bears GM that, you know, they were kind of in a similar situation that they are in right now where they had an older team 
uh, that had a lot of veteran players on big contracts. They were kind of in a tight spot cap-wise, and they had to shed some salary to kind of make some moves and kind of free up some cap space in the future to rebuild the roster, and that's what they did. But ever since 2018, when they went all in on this championship window, so to speak, uh, they've been really tight on cap space. And you see the best organizations in the NFL, they find a way to be flexible with that um, so that they can make moves and make improvements to the roster year after year after year. And then, and that has to do with draft pick capital as well and being able to be comfortable in missing out on big name free agent signings and letting some guys go in free agency because you have a lot of draft picks to be able to restock the cupboard, so to speak, and keep a lot of young talent on your roster year after year after year. So those are some of the two main things I think that have to be emphasized, but most importantly, they have to attack the quarterback position. You know, this league is all about quarterbacks right now. It's quarterback driven, driven, you know, with the way that the league is going in terms of offense and just how offense really determines games right now. The old saying used to be that defense wins championships. Well, that just really isn't, it really isn't the case anymore. Offense, not only does it win games in the, in the modern NFL, but that's what's going to be the driving force of winning championships going forward. And you have to adapt to that. You can't be a defensive-minded team anymore in 2020 and beyond. So uh, when you look at the quarterback position, you know you want somebody that not only is going to look to get the guy, but he needs to keep on investing in that position, even when he finds that franchise quarterback, so to speak. Because, you know, it – the, the problem with Ryan Pace in drafting Mr. Trubisky is, yeah, I mean, like you said earlier that, um, you know, you only get so many chances of picking high to get that franchise quarterback in the first round, but, you know, you can't just stop investing in the position because just in case that quarterback doesn't work out, that kind of leaves you in a spot where the Bears have been over the past couple of years where, you know, Trubisky, he didn't work out as a quarterback. They had no other options to go to to kind of see if they had something in a younger guy with some potential. So you got to keep investing in that position so that you have talent there because this league, like we've said before, it's all about the quarterback position. You have to have talent there and you have to get that right. And also it's kind of valuable from a team building perspective because quarterbacks can kind of be like currency. You know, there's never going to be a time where NFL teams aren't going to be looking to improve the quarterback position at some, you know, some team in the NFL. There are always going to be some teams out there that need quarterbacks because it's such a valuable and, such a valuable commodity um so if you're a team even when you get a franchise quarterback keep investing in the quarterback position because that way you can flip some guys for extra draft picks to address needs elsewhere and it helps with your depth as well so those are some things to look forward to and then kind of the last thing here what the willingness to embrace forward-thinking strategies best suited for the modern nfl i.e you know utilizing analytics emphasizing offense like we said before over defense those are some of the things that I think are key when looking at a new GM for the bears, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And in terms of, you know, actual candidates to look at who are a couple of guys that you're looking forward to that could be in play for the bears job next season. Yeah. So I would say this, you know, we see the rumors regarding, well, Ted Phillips might retire and then a potential front office shakeup happening. And I really think it's going to be very difficult for the bears to do something like reassign Ted Phillips. And then you hire a director of football operations or a new GM per se. And you essentially shake up the whole front office to do so in a short amount of time. Because I said this, I think last week as well, where the good GMs and the good head coaches for the most part, they're gone within the first like two to three weeks of January. And the bears have just always been a team that's taken its time filling these kind of top tier positions. However, let's just say Ted Phillips sticks around and you fire pace and Nagy, right? Then one guy that I think could really make sense would be Elliot Wolf. And, if you know him, you know, he's was with the Green Bay Packers for so many years, you know, worked as a pro personnel assistant, was a director there for some time, became the director of pro and player personnel, was a director of football operations too. He's been the assistant GM of the Browns, and now he's a front office consultant for the Patriots. Now, the reason I bring Wolf up is because we in Chicago, people in Chicago are starving for a franchise quarterback. I mean, Elliot Wolf, I know for a fact, has been around football his entire life. His dad's the one 
that is the reason Brett Favre was in Green Bay. I believe it was also Ron Wolf who drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2005. Now, there was also a Pro Football Focus article that came out. I think it was Monday, which talked about what modern NFL teams look for in GMs. And one of the biggest things is diversity and diversity in terms of the organizations that they've been with. Like we've seen John Dorsey. He came up with the Packers and the Chiefs, right? Which is why he's been a pretty successful GM. This is the same thing that we are getting with Elliot Wolf. He is a guy that has been with a couple teams. So he's been with the Packers, right? We've seen what he's done there. He's been with the Patriots, right? And the Patriots, they're always the one team that makes these sneaky under the radar moves to kind of stay relevant. This is before Tom Brady left, by the way. And then he's played a role in helping the Browns become what they're current what they currently are. So Elliot Wolf would be my like number one guy. He's not going to be the hottest name on the market, but I really think that, you know, he's like what, 38, 39 years old. He's pretty young. I know that when the bears hired pace, he was around the same age, but Wolf would really bring a fresh a diverse and fresh perspective to Chicago compared to Ryan pace, who basically came up with just one organization, which was the saints. Yeah, and for those who don't know about Ron Wolf, Ron Wolf was the key architect of building the Packers during the 90s. I mean, he was responsible for trading for Brett Favre um, early to kickstart that dynasty, signed Reggie White, uh, which was really a franchise-changing move for them. And really all the success that the Packers have enjoyed over the past three decades, it starts with Ron Wolf and what he was able to do to kind of build that organization up. And if there's one thing that the Packers have gotten right, you know, you can say that they've underachieved a little bit considering that they've had back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks um, to kind of lead their franchises. But that kind of leads into what they've gotten right over the past three decades. If there's one thing they've gotten right, it's the quarterback position. They've been a quarterback factory for such a long time. It's not even just Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. You go back and look at, you know, Mark Brunel in the 90s, uh, Hasselback, Matt Hasselback uh, in the – late 90s or 2000s he was part of the Packers Kurt Warner had a quick stop in, in Green Bay um, when he was an r- undrafted rookie um, and then you know Matt Flynn got a big contract from them you know later you know on in the I think early 2010s uh, was really when they you know that we started to see the quarterback factory kind of die out there but uh, yeah they've done a, such a great job in Green Bay of developing and identifying quarterbacks and that would be something that would be so valuable for the bears, because if there's one thing the bears are terrible at is finding quarterbacks. They just, for whatever reason, doesn't matter who the GM is, they can't get that position. Right. So I think that would be a great option uh, considering the bloodlines there, considering his experience working in multiple organizations, like you said, Uh, for me, uh, I'm going to go with a guy that is a little bit under the radar. He doesn't even have his own Wikipedia page, which is uh, kind of funny to me, but, uh, my top guy and the only one that I think that the Bears, not the only one, but the the one candidate I think the Bears should be most interested in is Ed Dobbs, uh, assistant GM for the Indianapolis Colts. So when you look at Ed Dobbs' background, to me, it's, it's very impressive because he comes from a scouting background and he's been considered one of the best in the business for years now, if not the best in terms of talent evaluation, finding under the radar signings, um, finding late round draft picks to come in and contribute for his teams and looking at his background here more specifically in the teams that he's worked for uh, he worked in Seattle with the Seahawks from 2006 to 2017 and played a huge role in building the Legion of Boom teams uh, that we saw along with John Snyder there uh, the GM for the Seattle Seahawks Um, and then you look at where he went to after that he went to Indianapolis to join Chris Ballard, who's one of the best GMs working today right now in 2018. And he's basically been the number two guy over there based off of my research. And when you look at what the Colts have done uh, over these last three or so years is they've completely changed the organization in terms of they were a team that were just reliant on quarterback play to where you look at them now and they're a team that is successful um, to make it easier for the quarterback, not just relying on the quarterback doing amazing things for them. Like we saw with Andrew Luck for so many years there and that which eventually ended his career prematurely. And, you know, especially over the last two years, the Colts, they've done an incredible job of maintaining a winning organization despite Andrew Luck abruptly retiring before last season. 
you know, I, I think for almost any other franchise, maybe besides like New England and, and some of the other uh, big name teams that have had stability in their organization for a long time, maybe like the Steelers uh, comes to mind, the Ravens maybe comes to mind, but almost any other franchise that would have absolutely put them in a state of complete disarray. They would have been floundering in that situation. And the Colts have somehow been able to persevere and stay competitive during that while also staying young, having flexibility, having a ton of draft capital, just all the stuff that you're looking for, for long-term success in the NFL. So in terms of uh, Dobbs and what I like about him and what he could potentially bring to the bears, you look at the teams that he's been a part of, both of those organizations, you look at the Seahawks and the Colts, they understand the importance of trading down and using picks as valuable assets, building through the draft, so to speak. Uh, both those teams, they have a history of, you know, when they have late first round picks, they trade out of the first round to get more picks in the second and third rounds and hit on some of those guys in the middle portions of the draft. And we've seen them develop stars through that method. Method, You know, you look at the Seattle Seahawks, they got Richard Sherman kind of through that method. Uh, Bobby Wagner was a sec was a day two pick for them getting Russell Wilson in the third round. I mean, that's a complete steal right there. And then with the Colts getting Darius Leonard on day two, uh, they've gotten some good value with some other guys late in the draft. You look at uh, Julian Blackman this past year, who's a third round pick for them has been a complete stud for them at safety. Uh, so they just know how to, they just understand how to get value uh, in terms of maximizing draft capital using those day two, day three picks to get players in there that can contribute and play at a high level. And then the second thing I'm looking at here, cap space flexibility, the Colts, they're one of the deepest teams in the NFL right now. Yet you look at them in terms of their long-term cap sheet and over the past three years, they've figured out how to clear up some cap room and they are among the leaders in cap space year after year after year. It's, it's pretty incredible. Even with the cap space projected to go down Next season, they have, I think, at minimum, uh, around like 65 to $70 million to work with in terms of cap room next year, which is among the highest in the NFL. So that's incredible for a team that's in, as deep and talented as it already is. And then the last thing, I kind of covered this earlier in terms of the stuff that I'm looking for, and you kind of covered it with, when you look at Elliot Wolf as a potential uh, candidate for the GM position, but quarterback investment. I talked about Russell Wilson earlier. You know, what's interesting about Russell Wilson is they drafted him even after signing Matt Flynn to a big contract that season, which people don't remember. Um, and that was a game changer for that organization, obviously, with Russell Wilson turning into an elite, you know, future Hall of Fame type of quarterback for them. And then it's kind of it's kind of continued there with the Indianapolis Colts. They drafted Jacob Eason this past season in this last year's draft in the third round. Um, they have guys like Joe Kobe Brissett on the roster that they traded for. I think that was before Dobbs got there, but um, still and continuing to invest in that position, then obviously signing Phillip Rivers. So uh, he just seems like a guy that gets it. He knows how to, you know, based off the organization that he's been a part of, he's gotten the scene uh, GMs that just get how to build a roster, how to build long-term sustainable success in the NFL and, I, I think that would be something that would be a welcome change and a welcome addition to, um, you know, a front office for the bears that let's be honest here. It's getting a little bit stale. Like you said, Brian Pace coming from that saints tree, it, it kind of shows in the way that, you know, some of his shortcomings in terms of, in terms of managing the cap and in terms of being a little bit too overzealous and over aggressive in the draft, those things kind of show up there for him. And uh, you're not, you're not seeing that with Dobbs here in terms of the stops that he's been at so far. Yeah, and, you know, one thing to add on is it's like we've – I mean, you're right about – you mentioned Pace's shortcomings. I think that the Saints also kind of went through a couple of years in the early 2010s where after winning the Super Bowl, they got to the playoffs the following year, but then they finished like a three- or four-year period where they only won like six, seven, or eight games every single one of those years, and it was just those years that they were very cash-strapped. And before they were able – and then when they were able to dig themselves out of that hole, Pace was already in Chicago at that point, and that's when they landed like – Andres, Pete, Ryan, Ramschek, guys like Alvin Kamara and Marcus Davenport. So I think really, you know, the big thing here is for the Bears, right? They need to look into just when they are eventually hiring the next GM, they need to diverse backgrounds. And in terms of the organizations that these guys have, that those candidates have been with, that's got to be at the top of their list. And speaking of diverse backgrounds, right? I think my second candidate that I would really love to see that I would actually probably rank higher than Elliot Wolf would be current Miami Dolphins assistant 
general manager Marvin Allen, right? Now, the reason that I bring him up is because we know that the Kansas City Chiefs are the standard for what an NFL roster is. Now, not every team, the NFL is a copycat league, but that's also kind of a misnomer in certain ways because you can't 110% copy what the Chiefs are doing or what the best teams are doing, right? But you can try to emulate it as best as you can. Marvin Allen's a guy that's been responsible for drafting Travis Kelsey, for providing intel on Mahomes, for providing intel on guys like Tyreek Hill, for providing intel on guys like, uh, or being the reason the Chiefs went ahead and drafted guys like Chris Jones, right? So when, and then he was also responsible for a lot of their day two, day two and day three picks as well that have gone on to become really good contributors. So like Marvin Allen's another guy that I look at. Yeah, he's a bit on the older side being like 50, nearly 60 years old. But then again, it's just like you are looking for a fresh perspective, right? You're seeing a guy that was basically instrumental in the Dolphins turnaround right now because they turned it around after just one year. I mean, Allen's the reason they drafted two attack of Iloa to this past draft. And then when you look at what, the Dolphins did in free agency. They didn't throw all their money at one guy. No, they had like one or two big signings and the rest were just smaller under the radar signings that they know that they could afford to make with all the cap space that they were swimming. So that's why I think Marvin Allen would really fit well here in Chicago because he would unload some of those veterans, figure out the cap space and then use kind of 2022 and 2023 to get the bears back on track to be competitive. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what the Miami Dolphins have done. You know, you look at what they did to rebuild that roster, trading Laramie Tunsil, training Mika Fitzpatrick. You know, typically you think those are two guys you want to build around, but it kind of paid off for them in the end because they were able to get some, you know, multiple first-round picks to kind of reload that roster and kind of build a team the way they wanted to build it around Brian Flores as their head coach. And I think that would be a model that the Bears should try to – I wouldn't say copy – but try to go more towards that form of kind of to kind of rebuild this roster because if they continue at this current pace where they have, you know, all these veterans on the roster on big contracts, that's not going to work out for them. You know, we mentioned earlier that Akeem Hicks and Kyle Fuller are two potential names that could be on the move this offseason for the Bears, depending on what direction they want to go. Under a guy like Marvin Allen, I could see them going with, you know, that strategy of getting rid of those guys to get draft picks to clear some cap space um get rid of some salary and start to get younger some fresher guys in the locker room to kind of build around there so i could definitely see marvin allen being a good uh choice there and and one of the things i like about allen too is that he has a lot of connections like you said uh diversity in terms of being around different teams he's been all over the map in terms of the organization that he's been in. He was even with the Patriots for quite a while as well. So, you know, you're, you're getting a guy that he's been with the best of the best in terms of working with, you know, successful GM, successful uh, football personnel uh, individuals. And I think Allen with the experience that he has and the connections that he has, not only could he be potentially a, a solid uh GM in his own right, but he could build a pipeline for the Bears that they could, you know, they could have a strong front office to where they can keep on replacing guys, getting good scouts year after year after year, and kind of building something uh, that could really last for the long term um, over decades, really, when you when you look at it. Yeah, and you would really think that that's the hope, right? Because, like, we talk about, you know, diverse coaching trees. When we look at, like, some of the most diverse front offices, this is what – and I'll go back again to Green Bay, right? Because I know there is a point, right, where green that Green Bay front office, they had a couple guys who were, like, one step away from being GMs, but then who never eventually became GMs. Now, for reasons I do not know. But then I also know that there is a point where they had, you know, Ron Wolf there. They had Elliot Wolf. They also had guys like Reggie McKenzie, who's been a GM, who's currently, I think – consultant role with the Dolphins and then they had a you know guys like John Dorsey I believe even John Schneider's um you know roots in Seattle right now go all the way back to Green Bay so when you look at when when we talk about like you know diversity right in terms of just having the network being with different organizations the best GMs and the best organizations in this league are also the ones that do come from really good organizations yeah, absolutely. And, you know, looking at Ryan Pace here to kind of end things on this discussion, obviously the Saints, they've been a successful organization. But like you say, getting multiple experiences, you know, with when it comes to 
you know, Ryan Pace, you know, he has his strengths as a GM for sure. And he's made a lot of great moves. That I think both you and I can really be a fan of and look back on and say, you know, that was a great draft pick or that was a great trade he made or a great signing he made, but the shortcomings, the, you know, because of the fact that he's been in one organization, he only knows one way of building a team really. Uh, I think that's one of the things that hurt him here in Chicago. And when you look at some of these GM candidates, potentially that we've kind of rattled off here, you know, getting that experience with multiple organization is, is very, very vital. I think, uh, when looking at potential candidates and that could be something that could be the difference maker between someone that could be a good GM that could maybe get this team back to some form of rele- relevancy and the difference between that and a great GM that could really build long-term sustainable success where the bears are consistently contending for playoff spots and super bowls and, and yada, yada, yada. So I think we covered a lot with the GM position there we have to get to the head coaching spot because I'm assuming if Ryan Pace is gone, they're probably going to get rid of Matt Nagy as well. So uh, before we do that though, we're going to take our second break of the show with another word from our sponsor. And we're back here at picks for pace, transitioning our conversation from the GM position and, you know, who could potentially replace Ryan Pace to the head coaching role and who could replace Matt Nagy uh, should the bears decide to go that direction this off season. Um, You know, when you're looking at the bears and their potential uh, choices here for the head coaching position, you know, one name has come up a little bit, you know, some rumors here and there um, that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. And that's Pat Fitzgerald, uh, the current head coach for Northwestern football. Um, You know, Fitzgerald's rumored to be of interest for the bears. Should they move on from Matt Nagy? Uh, Fitzgerald's kind of an interesting name. He was a native coach. Uh, he's a Chicago native growing up in the area. He's coaching Northwestern now, obviously, like I, I previously mentioned, and he's had a ton of success there. Um, you know, I'm not going to put too much stock in this, uh, you say, because, you know, who broke the the uh, rumor was Jason Lockenflora. And if you know anything about Jason Lockenflora, some of his uh, takes can be a little bit, uh, let's just say, misleading a little bit. But um, personally, just my opinion, I think this would be not the right fit for the bears need right now. You know, Fitzgerald kind of comes off to me as kind of an old school conservative defensive minded head coach. And I'm not saying the bears have to go with an offensive minded head coach, but I just think when you look at the way that Northwestern and those teams have been built, obviously there's only so much he can do as a recruiter and stuff, but, uh, just not what the bears should be looking for. I think there are other options that would be more suitable to where this franchise needs to go. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, the Fitzgerald stuff is interesting because we know that Jason Lock and Four, I think, reported it this past like Friday or Saturday, it was. But then I think a week before that, Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer also wrote in one of his columns, kind of linking Fitzgerald to the Bears, citing reasons like, listen, he's got three kids who are teenagers and that he wants to be around to see them grow up. Now, regarding that, right? I. It's hard to say so because, like, the Bears, they have never hired a guy, right, fresh out of college to be the head coach. If you go with the Fitzgerald rumor, I mean, we know for a fact it would just really be hitting the reset button because it's like, would he come here and just be the head coach? Or would you give him, like, a bigger role too, like a Matt, the type of role that Matt Rule has in Carolina where he has some say over uh, football operations, you know, would he be your GM and your head coach or like, would he work hand in hand with your next GM to build the team? So I'm not putting too much stock into what Priya Orlock and for us say, I think, yeah, if it happens, it's going to be a fresh, a completely new and fresh approach for the bears. But um, we're sitting here in December. I just think overall, it's going to take a lot to pry away Fitzgerald from Northwestern because he's made it clear. Like he had an opportunity from the Packers, I believe to interview and get the job there. And I think he, completely turn that down so like i said i'm not putting too much into this uh rumor yeah i just don't see it happening uh it seems like fitzgerald he loves where he's at in northwestern i don't blame him i think that's a great job for him northwestern they got a great football facility there on campus you know he's at his alma mater uh wouldn't make much sense to me in, in my opinion but some guys i think could make some sense uh we're going to be discussing here um a few options i think each that are at the top of our minds for who we think could lead this uh, new Bears direction as the head coach. And I'll start with you. You said, you know, who are some of the guys that are at the top of your list for head coaching candidates that you think could take the reins from Matt Nagy and just bring something different to this team and 
uh, just get this team back on track, uh, considering that they're probably going to have to go through a little bit of a rebuild here in the next couple of years. Yeah, so I've got four guys listed. It's two offensive guys, two defensive guys. I'll start with the offensive guys. I've got Bill's offensive coordinator, Brian Dabble, and then current Panthers offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, who was at LSU last year and was responsible for um, – Joe Burrow's historic rise. Now, the reason I bring in Dabble is because there's two quarterbacks in this upcoming draft class in Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. And I think that those guys, you can at least consider Wilson um, one Lance too, right? You can consider either of them to be Josh Allen prototypes, right? So I really think that a guy like Dabble, who's built his offense around Josh Allen, what he can and can't do while also developing Allen based off the physical talents, the tools, the traits that he has. I think that Dabble would make sense. Brady, I think is, some way somehow he's only like 31 or 32 I think he's going to be 32 by the time next season starts but uh, he's definitely a uh, young up-and-comer that I think if he's not a head coach in 2021 by the time 2022 or 2023 rolls around he's gonna have a head coaching job somewhere and then I have two defensive candidates which is Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus he is the most bright and one of the you know brightest defensive minds in the game. I mean, we saw when the Colts didn't have DeForest Buckner last year, Eberflus made that unit really mesh and gel, and they took off, and he's responsible for the development of Darius Leonard, who, like you mentioned earlier, was a second-round pick, right, from a couple of years ago. And then second guy would be Patrick Graham. This is a guy who was with the Packers in 2018 as a linebackers coach, but and then you look at him in 2019, right, with the Dolphins as a defensive coordinator. He spent some time with the Patriots, too, I think about a decade in the Patriots organization. And then he's the current Giants defensive coordinator. The reason I bring Graham up is because whenever you hear current and former players talk about Patrick Graham, one, they have nothing but good things to say about him. And then number two, they talk about, yeah, the defense on paper looks really complicated, but it's just so simplified down to the point where, okay, there are a lot of moving parts, but everyone's able to get the defense very quickly. So Graham would be like another guy and he's an Illinois native too, growing up in Des, Des, Des Plaines, right? I think it is. So that would be someone that I think would be really intriguing. Yeah. For me, looking at that list right there, I think Joe Brady is probably the gem of, of head coaching candidates this off season. When I look at it, at least in my opinion, uh, you know, Joe Brady, you know, obviously going back at his background, he spent a lot of time in the New Orleans Saints organization as an assistant for uh, Sean Payton. And then he really got his head start here as a potential name to look out for, you know, last year when he was the offensive coordinator for LSU, obviously helping Joe Burrow elevate his game to be the number one overall pick, helping them really turn into one of the most dominant football teams we've ever seen at the college football level. And it was really because of that offense and how, uh, dynamic they were passing the ball that season. Obviously, they had a lot of talent, but Joe Brady, he did a lot to maximize that talent as well. And, you know, you look at what he's doing in Carolina as their offensive coordinator under Matt Rule. Um, he's done a lot of great things there. Obviously, I don't think he has uh, a ton of talent to work with. I, he has some nice receivers. When you look at DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, uh, he's had Christian McCaffrey out for the majority of this year, but he's gotten good production out of Mike Davis, who as, as Bears fans might remember, spent some time with the Bears. So um, he's, he's made Teddy Bridgewater's play pretty well under his coordination as well. Um, there's just a lot to like about Joe Bray. I think he's a very smart offensive mind. I think he would bring uh, a new level of innovation to this team. Obviously, he's a bit on the younger side, so that's a bit of a risk there. But I think he's going to have his choice of jobs this upcoming offseason. I could see a team like the Atlanta Falcons who have an established, established veteran quarterback um, in Matt Ryan, some weapons there to work with. They could be interested. I can see the Texans. They have Deshaun Watson there. I think they would uh, – you'll love to pair him up with Joe Brady and some of the things that he does schematically to kind of maximize his, his ability. Another another guy to bring up there as well is Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs. He's a guy that's gotten a lot of name recognition. He can kind of – you know, to me, those are two of the hottest names, you know, when you're looking for an offensive coach's offseason – um, that could be, you know, have their choice of jobs should they want to be head coaches next season. I, I think they will. Um, I do like Brian Dabble quite a bit as the Bills offensive coordinator. One other guy that is very similar to, to Brian Dabble um, in that regard as an offensive coordinator that's kind of flown a little bit under the radar, but has really done a good job of maximizing his talent with the defensive-minded head coach he's working under. And that's Arthur Smith on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he's done a great job revitalizing uh, Ryan Tannehill's career there. Uh, he's really gotten the most out of him. Derrick Henry's had his best seasons under 
uh, you know, his offense there. So Arthur Smith, he's another name to watch out for. He kind of comes from that Shanahan tree in terms of their offense is very similar where they're, it's very, a lot of under center, a lot of outside zone, a lot of stretch run plays, a lot of play action and boots off of that where that kind of sets up deep passing and, and, you know, crosses over the middle where you got, you kind of, you know, scheme up your receivers open, get them in stride over the middle of the field and let them work after the catch and create big plays. That's kind of the blueprint for that type of offense. And Arthur Smith is, you know, he would be a great candidate if you're looking to build that type of offense here in Chicago. And, you know, to me, when you look at the offensive candidates that you pointed out there as well, Matt Eberflus for me, if you're going to go with a defensive-minded guy, he would be my top choice, assuming that Vic Fangio keeps his job with Denver. Vic Fangio is, for some reason, fired, which I think would be a huge mistake for Denver, but uh, that's a different conversation for another day. But um, uh, Eberflus would be the top guy for me. You look at his background, you know, he's a linebacker's coach by trade. He spent a lot of time with the Dallas Cowboys organization there, um, building up that linebacker core there. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you've seen guys like Jalen Smith uh, and, you know, some of the guys, younger guys there, they've kind of seen a drop off in their play ever since Iberflus left the team. He does a great job developing linebackers. You know, I I think you can imagine what he would do with a guy like Roquan Smith with his speed and game-changing ability in the passing game and coverage um, and what that would bring to this defense. Um, Iberflus is very intriguing. You look at what the Colts – what the, how their defense is set up and is really not all that complicated. It's really kind of just a basic four, three um, zone heavy scheme. They don't really run a lot of uh, disguises, but they play fast. They're very disciplined. They don't allow you to make a lot of plays deep and they just, they're just a very well coached unit. You, and you can tell when you watch them on tape and you watch them on football on Sundays that they know what they're doing. They fly to the ball they play with a lot of energy on that side of the ball. And, and that is all accredited to the coaching that he's done for that unit. And, you know, one other guy that I'll throw out here um, to kind of watch out for, and he's a bit of a wild card. I, I don't think he'll be someone that's looking for a head coaching opportunity this off season, but maybe if the bears were to go with a defensive minded guy like Eberflus and wanted to get an offensive coordinator in here to kind of try out and see if they can develop a guy potentially and develop a system there. Um, you know, I look at Mike LaFleur uh, out of San Francisco. Uh, he's their, currently their passing game coordinator um, under Kyle Shanahan's wizardry there working that uh, 49ers offense. But interesting, you know, obviously his name's familiar because he's the brother of Matt LaFleur, the current head coach of the Green Bay Packers. I don't know. I, I don't think LaFleur, uh, Mike LaFleur specifically, is a head coaching candidate. But I think he's an interesting name as an offensive coordinator potentially because, um, again, he comes from that Shanahan tree, and we've seen that you know that tree be so successful over the past few years. You look at Sean McVay, obviously, he's had a lot of success with the Rams, um, and Shanahan, he's built one of the best offenses in the league, and uh, Michael Floor has played a big role in that, is kind of running that passing game for them, and they just know how to maximize guys, they know how to scheme guys open, they know how to. Um, they just know how to build a game plan over there in San Francisco. It's, it's really beautiful to watch that offense operate. And I don't know. I, I think Michael floor, it, it would be fun from the standpoint that he would develop his offense a little bit in a new direction and it would kind of create a brotherly rivalry. Um, so to speak with, you know, Matt and Mike there in green Bay, Chicago. I mean, the rivalry between green Bay and Chicago, the bears Packers have been, has been a little bit stale over the past couple of decades maybe that could revitalize that a little bit when you have some uh, friendly brotherly competition there. Yeah. And you mentioned Mike before, I mean, he certainly would be an interesting name to kind of be given the head coaching job here in Chicago or just get a head coaching job anywhere. Because I think when we do look at that kind of Shanahan coaching tree, right. We have to understand is that the beauty of like that San Francisco offense is the fact that they're able to plug anyone into any position and make it work and seem like they have not missed a beat. I mean, look at Nick Mullins, for example, first things first, right. When Jimmy Garoppolo got to, um, 
San Francisco when he was traded there like halfway through the 2017 season. I mean, C.J. Beathard was there starting. Beathard did not look terrible, but he didn't look the greatest either, so he was serviceable. And then we see like, yeah, Jimmy G's been pretty good, but has not lived up to the big contract. Now that's a separate discussion, but Jimmy G's been serviceable. And then you look at like Monday Night Football this past week when the Bills are playing, are playing the 49ers. I mean, Nick Mullins looked real good as well. And so the reality is, is that maybe that's the next direction the bears need to go in is hiring someone from like a guy from the Shanahan coaching tree, a guy like a Mike LaFleur simply because like the offenses, right. Those types of offenses, you know, they've made it work. They can plug and play anyone. And it's looking like no one's ever missed a beat. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to think outside the box. I think if you're the bears here, they've gone traditional, I think for far too long, they tried to go in a different direction with Matt Nagy, obviously, but that didn't work out, but they had to keep taking shots at it. I I don't think they can risk going with a retread here. I don't think that would be the right move. I don't think going with an an old school minded pert candidate would be the right move either. But um, again, we'll see. I think those are all very intriguing names to look out for. It'll depend on who the GM is and what direction he'll want to take the franchise. But obviously the bears have a lot of options out there. And I think there is definitely a name where they could capitalize on uh, one of those options this next off season. Um, so we're going to conclude this episode coming up here with one more segment, uh, kind of talking some big time drama that's going down over the past couple of weeks. We've talked quite a bit about the bears and the direction that's needed to go for this team next season so uh we're gonna get to that real quick but before that we're gonna take our final break of the show with one final word from our sponsor and we're back here at picks for pace concluding this episode with uh something that just really just became news over the past 24 hours or so and and that's ohio state the, the ohio state michigan game uh being canceled uh, this upcoming weekend, and this has huge implications for um, not only just the Big Ten, but really the college football playoff as a whole. You know, you, when you look at this game, this is obviously canceled because of COVID complications within the Michigan program. They've, you know, had an issue with a breakout there in their program right now. And what this could mean when you look at this thing from a big picture point of view, we kind of discussed this last week in our, in our episode uh, there, but. Um, this could really change the Big Ten championship, obviously, because, you know, the Big Ten, they have their six-game rule where you have to play a minimum of six games in order to qualify for the championship game. For whatever reason they decided that was the best idea to go with, I disagree completely. It didn't seem like a good idea from the start, and it's looking like that right now. And But when you look at the game as it is, it's supposed to be Northwestern and Indiana is at least that's how it would appear to be if Ohio state uh, stays where they're at, where they don't qualify, but it sounds like the big 10 is looking to change this. However, and earlier today uh, they met to hold a vote on whether they would uh, decline the six game rule uh, in order to allow Ohio state to qualify for the big 10 championship game. And, And this would be huge because Uh, This is a big thing for the Big Ten. They want to have Ohio State uh, eligible to play this championship game, presumably because they want Ohio State in the college football playoff. And if Ohio State doesn't play another game this year, uh, it puts them at huge risk to miss out on the playoff. You know, when you look at, obviously, Texas A&M, who's the fifth-ranked team in the country, Ohio State is currently ranked fourth, I think, in the college football playoff poll. Um, if Ohio State doesn't play another game in terms of the regular season, you're looking at Texas. You're looking at Texas A&M possibly overtaking Ohio State for that final spot in the college football playoff. So, obviously, that's huge for the Big Ten. They want to have representation in that Final Four tournament right there, and I, I think that's really what it comes down to. The Big Ten they want to do anything they can to give Ohio State a chance, and whatever is done here at, at this voting, I think we're going to see that Ohio state um, is going to get uh, that one opportunity to make this work. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, you know, like you said, they are going to have, um, you know, make this game work. I mean, I believe Ohio state, who are they supposed to play? I think it was Michigan this week. Right. But then uh, that game got canceled. Right. And so, 
when I look at it, right, like it, the, the COVID thing just completely sucks because, you know, we're not getting the matchups that we would have wanted to get. We're not getting to see the draft prospects that we would have wanted to see. I mean, the six game rule was dumb to begin with. Just realize, I just personally, I think they should just throw the whole thing away and go based off like standings and then other certain statistics that maybe like you see the NFL use when it comes to tiebreakers. Uh, maybe you can implement a system like that in terms of like point differential, stuff like that to uh, decide who gets in and who doesn't. But like, you know, if you were to tell me at the start of the year that, oh, we're going to be potentially looking at like an IU versus Northwestern game, I would have told you like a Big Ten championship game. I probably would have been like, yeah, that's not happening. Right. But uh, yeah, it completely sucks. I, you know, hope that they come up with a resolution and do so quick. Uh, in terms of letting, you know, OSU play another game and then just um, the uh, Big Ten, uh, you know, looking at like the Big Ten championship game too, because I'm sure that no one's looking forward to watching IU versus Northwestern. Yeah, to a degree. I think it would be, I would think Indiana fans and Northwestern fans would look forward to that. But uh, yeah, I think the big, uh, you know, the larger fan base as a whole, they want to see the best team out there. And it's pretty obvious that Ohio state, they're the best team in the conference. It's been that way for a while now. Um, you know, it, it would stink to have that taken away from them out of something that largely they do not control. You know, obviously the, with the COVID situation, there's only so much you can control there. You can have, you can follow all the guidelines as much as you want. You can be careful as much as you want. Sometimes it only takes one person or just one person to get infected and, and, things can go off the rails for you. And and in this case, you know, it isn't their program that's getting, you know, hit by it as hard. It's Michigan right now. So it's, it's all a mess right now. And to me, I think they're going to find some resolution where Ohio State's going to qualify. I don't know if they're going to play another game. I think they're probably going to get rid of the six game rule, which is probably for the best. They never should have instilled it in the first place. Uh, They should have been a little bit more, you know, this is obviously hindsight bias, but uh, I think having more flexibility from the get go would have been, the better way to go by it but again we'll see what happens you know hopefully you don't want this to linger especially with you know the other teams involved because especially with indiana because they're in the same uh, division as ohio state you know if you let this linger for a long time you know indiana's obviously going to feel some type of way about it because like in their mind you know they qualified for uh the championship game and you know if you don't make a decision right away you're basically you know, giving these players, you know, a false sense that they've, you know, made the game. And uh, you just don't want that because things could get ugly from there. And again, just not something you want to see happen at this stage of the season. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, for those teams like um, Michigan or Northwestern, right, let's just say in a scenario that they get snubbed out of it and Ohio State is given an extra game and Ohio State gets the opportunity, they're going to be like, yo, why the hell would you guys bend the rules for OSU, the bigger program, but then not like, you know, bend the rules for us? Because I could totally see the Big Ten being in a situation where they do end up doing something like that, where it's like, okay, we're going to figure out when can OSU play its next game against Michigan. Um, You know, but then, like I said, IU and Northwestern kind of getting the short end of the stick. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's a messy situation for sure. We'll have to keep track of it. Hopefully this is settled hopefully tomorrow but after the time of this recording, but uh, we'll see how that works out. Definitely some drama there uh, to work through in the Big Ten. Uh, with that, I think that's a good time to conclude this episode of Picks for Pace. We covered a lot in this episode, a lot of talk about uh, the future of the Bears here. Not the funnest stuff to talk about in terms of where this franchise is at, but I, I think uh, – with some of the you know head coach candidates and the GM candidates we went over, there is some positives to potentially look to um, if the Bears are going to go in a different direction here. You know there are some names out there. There are some guys that they can target to where I think we can both feel confident they can turn this thing around. So for our listeners, make sure to follow us on Twitter uh, at Picks for Pace. You said where can they follow you? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Kosho. Read my work on the Bear Report as well. Absolutely. And you can follow me at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work on the bear report as well. You can also find my work on the bear report YouTube channel where I've got a couple of video breakdowns on there of some past performances that we've seen from this current season. So make sure to check that out. 
I want to thank our listeners once again to tuning in on all platforms. Uh, I know it's not the uh, greatest season as a Bears fan right now. It's been a bit disappointing, but you know, there's four games left. I think there are some things to look forward to. There are some young guys to hopefully see break out over the next month or so. So we'll keep a look on it, you know, for this next month or so of the season uh, until we get to the end of the year, though. Bear down, Bears fans, and we'll see you next week. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.